Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts. This one is dedicated to... Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. There he goes. They both did the salute. <laughs> You know, I, you know I, I, I always get it wrong. Okay, I'm going to try it again. I know this is a, this is a, a an audio medium, but I'm yeah. going to try it again. Wakanda forever, and it's right over left. Correct. So hang on, am I doing it right? Yep, that's correct. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there's been far too many left over rights that I've seen in when discussing this film and when at the, at the premiere screening. Of, it just annoys me every time I see it. If you're going to do it, do, do it, it right. right. It's, it's not like, left over right. It's no, right it's over like, left. It's uncomfortable <laughs> left over right. Let the record reflect that Chris is doing left over right. I'm doing left over right right now. I just want to see. I want to compare. Okay, left over right. Okay. No. Right over left. Yes. I, I prefer left over right. It's more comfortable for me. Get out. <laughs> All right, you guys, you take care of the podcast. Wait, I'll no, just be over there. This, this is exactly what a colonizer would say, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's me, token white guy. Welcome to the Black Panther Wakanda Forever podcast. When are white guys going to get their shots? Uh, Amon Warman and Neil Bat. Hello, welcome, welcome both. You know, for too long we've been we've, we've had our noses pressed up against the glass yeah, of pulled, the MCU. You poor guys, yeah, the white guys, especially named Chris. I know, I know. It's it's an absolute outrage. It's an absolute outrage. <laughs> anyway, you may be sent at home, but hang on, Chris. Haven't you done two spoiler specials for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever? Yes, we have. Um, so we should probably wrap up. No, why, why we're here is because this is a listener question special. And uh, we are convened here in what I have to say, folks, is the hottest fucking studio I have ever been in. The aircon is down at Bower Towers at the moment. And uh, we're, we're muddling through. We're muddling through. Amon is here um, and he's making no concessions whatsoever for the heat. Look, Chris, you told me to take off my jacket and I told you man's not hot. <laughs> I'm on a percent about you for years, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Neil Bat is here with his Guardians of the Galaxy t-shirt. I and uh, I'm here with my Kevin Feige tidy whities So we are all we are all good. It's really awkward. <laughs> it's very, it's very, very awkward. Don't know what to look. Especially the way I'm splayed at the moment. I am... <laughs> it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme on, on the uh, kitchen sink and time cop. Oh, boy. <laughs> so That's a visual. <laughs> It's getting hot in here. Uh, anyway, this is a listener question special to to mark the arrival on Disney Plus of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the Oscar-nominated Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And I would say that, you know, it's a, a safe bet that I, I don't think it's going to pick up too many technical Oscars unlike last time. But weirdly, oh, well, it's weirdly, I don't know. It's unusual, let's put it that way. They might pick up an acting Oscar. Angela yeah. Bassett is the current frontrunner to win Best Supporting Actress. Which I absolutely love. She is phenomenal in this movie. I was a little bit upset at its lack of technical uh, nominations. It felt like we've already given you a whole swath of those when the first phone came out. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to do it for this mm -hmm. one, even though it is absolutely deserving. The production design by Hannah Beachler is fantastic again. The costume design by Ruthie Carter is fantastic. Again, the but score she, she by she did Lebr get nominated. In fairness, and so did, did Hannah Beach get nominated as well? As well, I don't think so. I don't think. Oh, I didn't see that. I don't think either yeah. of them got nominated. Ruthie Carter did because she did an Instagram thing saying that she'd been nominated. Oh, should we well, take a look? Should we take a look and see who's actually been nominated? Like, yeah. yeah, let's do that rather than just you know, <laughs> yes. blither on, <laughs> blither on idi like idiots. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ruthie Carter got nominated. I'm not sure about Hannah Beach there. Han 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 Maybe it was name. the Baftas that didn't nominate. Ruthie Carter. Uh, maybe, maybe. Possibly. Nominated, okay. All right. Nominated for five Oscars. Are you okay. sitting down? Yeah. Are you sitting down? You are sitting down. You're, you're both sitting down. Okay, no, good. No, really short. Okay. <laughs> Ruth E. Carter. Best Achievement in Costume Design. Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling for Camille Friend and Joel Harlow. Just, no one's ever pronounced Joel like that. <laughs> Joel. Joel. Billy Joel. Okay. Joel Matip. Joel Harlow. Best Achievement in Music Written for a Motion Picture Original Song for the song Lift Me Up. Nominations going to Thames, Rihanna, Ryan Coogler and Ludwig Goransson. Best Achievement in Visual Effects. Jeffrey Bauman, Craig Hammack, R. Christopher White, Daniel Sudik. And Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role. Angela Bassett. So no Ludwig Goransson, no Hannah Beecher this time around. Mm. Uh, they won last time, didn't they? Ludwig they did. won for... Yeah, yeah. They did, yeah. 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 
So is that... We'll talk about Angela Bassett in a second, and we will get onto listener questions. But I do—I want to talk about you know how it's aged over the, the over the last few months since it was released. Is there a sense? I think there is a wider sense that the movie wasn't as good as the first Black Panther, and it hasn't had the same impact at the box office, and you could argue culturally as well. Is the fact that people who won Oscars last time around have not been recognised for work that is every bit as good? Mm-hmm. Is that symptomatic of the wider evaluation of this movie? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I definitely personally prefer the first one, and I get the sense that most people do. But I think there are sort of a, a, as a small fraction who definitely prefer this one over the other. Uh, That's interesting. I, ha- one the first I haven't really seen many people who have been standing for this, who preferred this movie. Only like a you, few. You, you, know, you, you will have that conversation constantly, won't we? The, you know. Mm. You know, you know what's best. You know, in the terms of the Marvel movies, you know there were people people who prefer Winter Soldier to the the first Avenger. Pretty much everybody. There would be people who prefer Civil War. There'd be people who prefer Iron Man three, rightly to uh, the other Iron Mans. Uh, but I don't know rightly, that. I don't, I don't know that know. many people. Have you seen people saying Wakanda Forever over the first Black Panther? Not many. No. Uh, I also who are these people, think... Neil? I want names. <laughs> I'll find them. I'll do a Twitter search later. I, I also think the first movie is better. But in terms of the box office um, total, one, this film still broke records, uh, which is was awesome to see. Um, two, I think I just saw something that it was the most streamed uh, Disney Plus premiere uh, that an MCU movie has had, um, which is also very cool. cool. Three, it was never going to be in the same box office sort of impact that the first movie had for a variety of reasons um you know that that first movie it was a cultural moment unlike anything that i've ever sort of been witness to uh in all my years sort of seeing this and doing this um the anticipation Mm. of seeing a film like that for the first time was incredible. I couldn't go a week without seeing some video, some interview, something that that you could plainly see the excitement for the culture around this. There was excitement for this, but the heaviness that we were all going into the movie with meant that it was never going to reach the heights. Like I even something which I always talk about often is the UK premiere for Black Panther, which we're approaching the five-year anniversary in a few days. Well, um, I am was in my room. Really? Mm. <laughs> awesome. But the, the joyful atmosphere of that night was something like, I've never experienced anything like that before. Um, it was extremely memorable. And I was at the premiere for Wakanda Forever. There was still some excitement there, but you could just tell it wasn't the same. And I wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it to be, not given every, not, given everything that, is, that has happened in the interim. Okay, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, Neil, your first time on the Black Panther Wakanda Forever spoiler special. Where do you stand on it in overall? Has it changed over the last couple of months? Uh, no, I think I, I agree with my initial opinion that it's, it's obviously not as good as the first, but it's still really good. Like, it's really well made. I watched it again in preparation for this podcast uh, yesterday, and... I don't Thank feel... Thank God someone did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel uh, there's anything I would really change. Like, it's quite long, but it's also, you know, the characters are intriguing, they're interesting. We get uh, Namor, who is really well done, even though, in your mind, wings on feet, does that work? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And they did, did it really, really well. And he was co- a compelling villain. Uh, yeah, I, I still think it's really good. It's still really well made. It's not quite as up there with the first one. And yeah, we were going into this as a monster, and, you know, there was a lot that we were sort of thinking about going into this with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Mm. And it's mm. obviously a difficult task that Ryan Coogler had, and I think he pulled it off really, really well. Well, listen, this is a listener questions special. We have a lot of listener questions that were accrued both at the time of release that we didn't get around to in the last spoiler special. And now I've asked for people to send in their questions. And we'll go through them as quickly as we possibly can, uh, all three of us. And yes, I'm very aware that for this very, very female-centric movie, this is a complete and utter sausage fest. Um, <laughs> sadly, that could not be avoided. Uh, of course, in my case, we're talking more of a chip and ladder. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you got it flaunted, and I do not have it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Thank God for those tidy <laughs> How tight are those tidy whities? Oh my god! Uh, 
Anyway, here comes uh, question foul shopaholic hey, regular hey. question asker to the podcast uh, sent a whole bunch of questions a big old brain dump mm. uh, back in October. Did the CIA build that vibranium detector to try and steal vibranium instead of relying on Wakanda to provide it? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. If Riri designed the machine as a challenge from her MIT professor who was her professor? Ooh. Hulk. Hulk. There we go. There we go. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I think you know. There's a. Uh, I'm guessing there's a much longer version of this movie. Mm. Um, we may yet find out in Ironheart. We may yet find out. Uh, yeah. yeah, precisely because there's a couple of uh, Riri questions here. Is Riri a recipient of the Tony Stark scholarship grant? Uh, how did a college student build her own Iron Man armor, complete with weapons? Um, you know, and obviously she's got much more lo-fi low-tech approach. Um, I wonder if they could have done something with that, with it, with it, you know, maybe malfunctioning a little bit more than, than you know, because Tony Stark's got all these resources. It's not just about the size of, of intellect. It's about just the fact that he can build a small nuclear reactor mm. in his backyard because he has endless arrays, you know, endless pots of cash, uh, whereas Riri doesn't have that. I wonder if that's, that's something there. Yeah. I got the impression with Riri because they mentioned sort of how the vibranium detector was built and then it was sort of after like random bits here and there that maybe she's just a bit of a sort of you know like dumpster diver junker or you know like random yeah you know like goes to like a scrapyard and finds bits and just puts them together but in the comics that's more or less how she builds that Mm -hmm. first mark one armor she sort of scrabbles together materials from the campus and then couples together but yeah i i really i know um she got a mixed reception sort of at least from the reviews that I was reading and the conversations that I was having but I liked uh, Vivi in this film um, I'm very excited for a TV show her introductory se- sequence is a really nice little moment where she says to Shuri to be young gifted and black right and then oh wait you guys don't say that because in Wakanda that's just a normal thing mm. um, I really really like that uh, little moments like that all the way through the film uh, which I think really hit the spot for me. Yeah, I think she hit the spot for me more than America Chavez did in Multiverse Absolutely. of Madness. Yeah. But I still don't think she popped the way that, you know, if you go back, I've said this before, but if you go back to Civil War, the way that T'Challa pops oh, yeah. in, in Civil War, the way that Peter Parker pops, and that's it. Yeah. Peter yeah. Parker picked a peck of pickled peppers, then he popped it in Civil War. And that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I, I think that there's a long history of... Marvel introducing their supporting characters in movies like this mm-hmm. and then they hit big and they want to see more of them. And I'm not sure that happened for me with, with Riri Williams. I think, you know, Dominic Thorne was, was, was good in the role and I'm definitely intrigued to see what she's like in, in Ironheart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, it felt a little bit like, I don't know, it felt a little bit like her appearance in the movie was mandated and then they just had to figure out you know, which has happened before we know that things like that have happened in the past. Mm. And then they had to figure out what to do with her. And the movie kind of loses her a little bit, but it loses a lot of characters. Yeah. Michaela Cole's character is, yeah. is lost. That, that, that one was a big bummer for me. And you could tell that there was a lot more on the table that they probably shot, but just the movie was too big. Like... Marvel are in the habit of releasing all their deleted scenes in one go, but I'm expecting when they have released in this initial batch, released a few more deleted scenes, that there'll be at least mm. a couple with Michaela Coles and Necker. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, even from the, I think there's a couple of trailer shots that haven't made it into the full movie. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that, that's a big moment. When you've got a performer of the caliber of Michaela Cole, you want to see, see that. Yeah, I hope she's in it a lot more. Later yeah. on, like, they've not sort of announced anything of it. It's not well, just you, you. You get an you get an actor as good as as good as her, yeah. and you want to give her something to do. And I just feel that they they didn't really do that. Yeah. So hopefully, the deleted scenes will yeah. will reprieve that character a little bit. You know, you're, you're talking about deleted scenes, Amon. I mean, they released Eternals, which was a movie entirely comprised of deleted scenes. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I love Eternals. I love Eternals. I'm the founder, treasurer, and secretary of the Eternals fan club. I know. Yeah. Many people will be annoyed at that comment. Yes, yes <laughs> I know. Including me. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at home listening to this going, what are you doing? It's just a cheap joke. But not only deleted scenes, but um, they haven't talked about it in a while, but we do have a lot of Wakanda-focused uh, TV series coming, mm. um, which I think are going to be, one, really great for Okoye, 
given everything that happens with her in this film. There's elements of her arc which had to be excised. You can again tell that, feel that. I feel like they're going to shift a lot of that to the TV series. And with Michaela Coles and Neckler, there's a mm -hmm. lot more. Florence Kasumba's Ayo. There's so much there to mine that I really hope those TV series and mm -hmm. hopefully more future films really get to. Mine. Or you will be mined. <laughs> That's what she should say. Mm. Uh, just another quick point on Riri. Uh, one of the most, one of my favorite lines in the uh, in the MCU is Tony Stark built this in a cave. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, if Tony can do that, then then Riri can do that with the resources that she's got at an MIT. With a bunch yeah. of scraps. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You oh, you ever had scraps and fish and chips? <sighs> yeah. Oh. yeah. So crazy how that quote is from the best Iron Man movie, isn't it, Neil? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> is it so weird? Are you both Iron Man truthers? <laughs> I think we can all agree that Iron Man 2 is the worst one, right? Yeah, that's yes. fair. Yeah. 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 Okay. But Amon and I know what's up. So you, know. you, do. you don't know what's up. <laughs> you don't. You're not up. You, I'm, I am up. I am up. Can you not tell through my tidy whities Oh, this is what happens. Oh, it's oh, just good. It's like the in-betweeners. <laughs> Just three bloody blokes having body banter. Let's not do that. Let's not, let's not have a stag do break out at any second. Let's keep this clean, folks. Keep it clean. Beast1808 asks, uh, well, it's more of a comment than a question, but uh, Winston Duke was brilliant with the way M'Baku's character shows his different sides from flippant politician to leader of the Jabari to wise counsel older brother to Shuri. Mm. If Marvel are going to go down the route of special presentations for characters instead of movies or series, then he needs to be first in line. The guy is a charisma machine. So Beast1808 is clearly Amon's burner account. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you could tell I was trying to be <laughs> smart about it. Um, now, I completely agree with that comment, not a question. Embarker um, is great. Winston Duke is great. There's so much... There's more scenes <laughs> of him that, that, that I found unexpected, but really liked. like... You, you know he's going to bring the humor. His reintroductory scene in this is one of my favorites. Just comes into the throne room chomping on a carrot <laughs> acting like he owns the place and then he calls Okoye Balder the demon which, got, <laughs> which always gets a big reaction so I love that but the scenes especially once Ramonda has passed and you get to see him and Shuri enter a new phase in their relationship is really good especially when you consider sort of that first interaction we see in that first movie which they call back to yeah. you know uh, child who scoffs at tradition <laughs> um, you know now she's quoting that line back to him as he acts like the big brother that she desperately needs mm -hmm. in that moment yeah, yeah. Um, so I love that and yeah the, the scene where Shuri becomes Black Panther and sort of leaps down and lands and that scene I mean I was at the premiere screening. I, I was I was leaving the chance. I was like, the, the Black Panther lives! It was, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, now I, I love Mbaku. Special presentations, I'm not sure that's the way to go here because I feel like part of where they leave Mbaku at the end of this film that's so interesting is that it does feel like he and Shuri have talked about, okay, I'm going to be Black Panther, you be the leader of Wakanda. Yeah. And I feel like we need to see that the next time we see Embarker, not necessarily a special presentation that might take him yeah, away, from, that. Yeah. away from yeah. all that. So, so yeah, we shall see. Yeah. But more, more Winston Duke, I think, is the key here. And that, I'm always up for. Yep. Yeah, we got the Duke. You got the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree with everything you said. There was that line that you said to, to Shuri, which was, and I've written it down, I think I've got it right. Uh, too much has been taken you for you to still be considered a child. Mm. And yeah. that really choked me up. That really got to me. And I've mm. like both times I've, I've watched this film. And it's it's a great line delivery and it's just a great line. And like mm -hmm. Winston Duke is someone who really embodies this role. Like he's he's been an inspiration to sort of bigger people as well. And like he's just phenomenal. I'm mm. I'm really glad we got more I mean, of him and so much of him. He's yeah. the biggest person. I mean, he's been massive. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, I met I met him for for us and he yeah. just he was sitting down, he towered over us. Just a, a unit. I've chatted to him a couple of times, but never in person. He's always on the phone, sort of on Zoom and he was on audio, so I couldn't actually see him as I was chatting. But yeah, he's he's a really cool dude. There's one scene where sort of Shuri's become Black Panther and she's demanding basically that 
uh, were kind of go to war with Neymar and Mbaku's sort of trying to say no, which I find very interesting. It's actually one that I wanted to rewatch before we did this. Um, but if memory serves, I'm not sure, maybe Neil, you've rewatched this so you can tell, but even though he knows it's the wrong move, is there a sense that he knows that this is something that Shuri has to work through to get to the other side of her grief, which he eventually does? I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, is, there is a sense of that. You just kind of feel like it's, it's right in some ways, but wrong in certain ways. I feel yeah. like he's trying to kind of push her in the right direction mm. by disagreeing with her, mm-hmm. but not sort of blatantly outright saying it. But mm. that's just another you know, layer mm. of his performance. Yeah. That's, that's really good. See, I love that. That's the, one of the things that I would change. I'm not even sure how I'd change it, but the cost that Shuri going to war has for the Wakandans is grave. <laughs> and I know that Shuri is definitely not the born leader her brother was, but I don't know. It's that, very interesting, isn't it, that the yeah. movie comes down that side. The movie, like, um, Kugler and, and Joe Robert Cole and, you know, Nate Moore, I guess, is the uh, the, the main producer on this. Mm. They, they, they all, I think, recognize that as well, mm. that Shuri isn't T'Challa. He said stating the blindly obvious, but, you know, mm. she isn't T'Challa. She doesn't, you know, and I, and I, 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 bonded with this a little bit better second time around for, for me mm-hmm. but for me you know she, you know she's a great actress and you know she's it's a really really great character mm. but the direction that they take shuri in in this movie rightly so because you know we've i'm sure we've all suffered grief and we all know what grief does to you mm. but it did deprive us of the shuri of the first movie who was just this ball of energy this you know this firecracker and Hopefully, and with that being the case, I felt that she wasn't as compelling mm. a central character as T'Challa was. But by doing that for whatever comes next, because there will be a Black Panther 3 at some mm-hmm. point, I don't know whether it's going to be, it probably will be, I guess, post Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars at, at this point, but it might not be. Mm. It might not, they might, might just suddenly, you know, Faggy might do a presentation and go, boom. Plan Panther 3, coming 2025, motherfuckers, and drop the microphone and walk out <laughs> you know, as, a, as a lead-in to, say, Secret Wars. You never know. You never know, right? Mm. Where they leave Shuri is really interesting because she recognizes that as well. It's like, I am not the right, my temperament's not right. You know, I'm, I, I wasn't in the right headspace. Look what nearly happened because of my rage. Yeah. Uh, and she steps back from that. And she steps back. And, and we go back to the dynamic that we had when we first met the Black Panther in the MCU. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not the, the, the King of Wakanda who is the Black Panther. It is, you know, his son, as we, as we, as we, as we know. But mm. that's a really interesting idea. Where they leave M'Baku is really interesting. The, the problem I have is just that it's so abrupt mm-hmm. at the end. I think they could have just let that, I don't know whether they, they, maybe they didn't have the materials to let that scene breathe. Mm. You know, when he turns up at the end, the cut away from him is so abrupt that it does take you a few seconds to go, what is happening? Is he the king of Wakanda now? Is this mm-hmm. the deal that they've worked out? But if that is the case, then that's a really fascinating place mm-hmm. to leave them for a Black Panther 3 or the Wakanda TV show. Or, of course, you know, when Kang shows up in, in Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars, if Wakanda is is not fractured, but certainly has... Mm-hmm. What? A potential for conflict between its king and its protector. Mm. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that genuinely. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> I found that? it interesting, Chris. No, no, yes, genuinely... human. That was interesting. <laughs> I found that interesting, Chris. Would you like to repeat that, please, Chris? Should I try for more sincerity? Please, please, yes, please. Once, <clears throat> once more with... I, I'm on. Any feeling at all would be good. <clears throat> Chris, I found that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I was fucking laying out a great big theory for like four minutes. Heartfelt theory. That's interesting. And now, and now it's my turn to speak. That's what that, that's what that was. It really didn't, I didn't mean it to come out that way. Unbelievable. Generally, um, <laughs> generally, I thought I thought that was interesting. It's an interesting theory. I forgot. What I, was gonna say. I I remember what Mbaku said. So he said, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> Get it together, guys. Come on, honestly. Okay, okay, uh, okay. And says something along the lines of, of uh, I want to challenge for the throne, and then it cuts. Yes. So yes, but who's he challenging? There's well, no one to challenge. He's like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's already said, "I'm oh, sure he's not here." By the way, <laughs> he gets a buy to the next <laughs> yeah. round. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's I been, think sure he's been deducted points for financial irregularities. <laughs> I allegedly, think, I think Mbaku will be on the throne. I don't think that he will take the heart shaped herb as some have suggested. But can um, he though? Can can more than one person take the take the the, the herb? Well, yes, because they've actually. In the first in the first film, Killmonger had killed T'Challa, had taken the heart-shaped herb, and when Ramonda, Shuri, and Nakia are on their way to Mbaku's uh, uh, hideout, um, Ramonda is telling Nakia that you should be the one to take it, and obviously T'Challa does take it. So at that point, T'Challa and Killmonger. Both have heart-shaped Yeah, but the, obviously Killmonger is not a stickler for rules. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter whether tradition dictates that only one person mm. can take, can take mm. the herb. What I'm okay. saying is, in a situation like this, and this is something that I, I did wonder, you know, at, at a certain wonder, uh, at a certain point, <laughs> you know, the film asks a couple of really interesting questions. One is, you know, does Wakanda and does the MCU, does Earth as a, as a, as a wider uh, concept need a Black Panther? Mm. You know, could you have gone through this movie without there being a Black Panther? Mm. flip side of that coin of course is is there more than one Black Panther is that your solution mm. so it's not just Shuri who takes the reconstituted herb it's you know it's Ramonda you know it's M'Baku it's Okoye you know, they, and there, suddenly there's a, an army of Black Panthers mm. um, because I'm guessing what kind of tradition basically says there's one Black Panther one person takes a herb but and someone's going but could we like just fucking shitloads of us take it and then we'd have like an unfin- invincible army? Shut up! It <laughs> would make far too much sense. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think it would be. That's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> uh, that's interesting with a mon woman. <laughs> I'd listen. Uh, I've, I've only got too many pods to be adding another one to, to my stable. That's um, interesting. <laughs> but. What I would say, and I, want, I really want to sort of get onto this because I've been intrigued to get your take. I've been thinking more about this side of Wakanda Forever in the weeks and months after having watched the film, which is the geopolitical side of things and how um, actually the US and Wakanda may potentially come into conflict, which they're absolutely setting up um, at the end of this film. I feel like there's more to get into there on this side of sort of phase five and phase six before all the Kang dynasty and the secret wars and the big multiversal blow up comes up because they've been setting that up since the first Black Panther. There's actually a deleted scene from the first Black Panther uh, where T'Challa is talking to Ross at the UN before he does his big speech where Ross is basically like, they're going to come for you if you Mm -hmm. reveal yourself. Mm -hmm. And T'Challa's like, I know, but I'm not going to be sort of afraid to, to do that anymore. And he, does what he does. And they don't the, give a shit. I mean, they're just, you know, they're releasing the Indian Malage and in Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. and they're just, you know, committing <laughs> all kinds of interesting acts on foreign soil. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. So I feel like, and for as much as the Ross, Julia Louis-Dreyfus stuff doesn't feel in keeping with the rest of the film at times, the themes which they are discussing are embedded in the storytelling, and they have been since the first film. Uh, I just wish that they, I don't know, that doesn't quite work. It doesn't have quite have the impact that it should. Um, I'm not sure if there was it's, more of that that they deleted, but those themes are inherent in everything that Kugel's been doing with these It's films. because, you know, one of the things is that Ross is completely removed from the, the chessboard for the entire third act, whereas last time around he actually had stuff to do. Yeah. Sure. And I wonder if they might have, and I obviously can see why, they didn't. But if they maybe had him on the ground in Wakanda during the the um, Talacanian invasion mm. or the attack, mm. you know, whether that might have been interesting, like he's literally running around like Jiminy Cricket, like the conscience in a way, like saying bad shit's going to happen. You know, you need to stop this, otherwise it could lead to yeah. horrendous consequences. Well, you know, now that he assumedly is somewhere in Wakanda after Koye rescues him at the end of yeah. this film, um, I feel like he will have a part to play 
as that conflict ramps up. Finally, the white guy's going to get his shots. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we've all been waiting for. Yes, the colonizer oh is living in Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> a colonizer in chains. Now I have seen that That was great. Line. Black Panther, <laughs> co- colonizer rises. It's gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh not my watch. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, good fun. Good fun. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike Daisley on Twitter uh, asks... Why are countries just attacking Wakanda now when they didn't have a Black Panther for five years after the snap? Hmm. The silence. (laughs) (laughs) I love moments like this where it's just like, huh, huh. I mean, Wakanda didn't have a Black Panther, but, you know, Granta didn't handle it as well as it could have. But Falcon the Winter Soldier made it clear that the world had been dealing with some stuff government with governments and the entire world is out of whack in those five years not just Wakanda so they had other stuff to be dealing with rather than sort of focusing on that I think yeah yeah that's that sounds like a good explanation very plausible very plausible do you have another explanation Christopher Hewitt Uh, they were busy that's no, what I that, just said. No, but they were busy just doing other shit. They were just watching TV that's and just, just chilling. Oh, okay. And just chilling. <laughs> no, no, just, but Amon just full named you. He did. He did full name you. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. What's your mother's name? I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> my mother's maiden name. I'm the name of my first pet as well. I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to be shaken down after this. I've seen these things. This is scam. Amon and I have been messaging each other. <laughs> <laughs> be careful. Man. I know your middle name. Do you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think you do. Isn't it Keith? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, I don't know your middle name. I don't have one. See, he's fallen into my trap. <laughs> He'd fold on a question in this one. He's just giving up information so, so freely. I don't have one. And my pin number is 3459. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> I need to get my pin number. <laughs> anywho, anywho. Uh, that's a very, very good question. I Yeah, because everyone's in disarray, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's in disarray. Yeah. Disarray, that array. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they can't get their shit together. Uh, Mike Daisley also asks, are the water bombs the best villain weaponry in all of the MCU? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not all of the MCU, but really, really good. Yeah. They're really yeah. effective, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. Honestly, the most frightening villain weapon in this is the Siren Song. Oh um, my god. Yeah. That's my That's so probably the best be my favorite sequence. <laughs> yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. It's a, it's a such a great it's a hardcore way to introduce mm-hmm. Namor slash Namor yeah. and mm-hmm. the Tal Talicanians slash Talokonians. <laughs> um yeah. Watch it for the first time, you're going, This is really, really dark shit yeah. for a Marvel movie. It reminded me of a sequence in James Herbert's novel The Fog because The Fog gets into people's minds and, and you know turns them a bit crazy mm. and there's a sequence in The Fog where I think it's the entire town of Bournemouth like 300,000 people something like that get affected by The Fog and walk into the sea en masse like the entire town and it reminded me of that because you're just watching these people drop into the sea drop, wow. drop, yeah, drop yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really intense yeah, yeah. No, wow! That 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 film that you just mentioned sounds. It's a book. Yeah, it's, a, it's a book. It it's a film. Great. It's yeah. a film. But they've written it down. James Herbert's The Fog. That sounds intense. Is the point I was going to make? But okay. yeah, no. Um, it's really, really good. And as I say, as I've said before, the formidable nature of Nimor and the Talokans is really awesome. I I really. Initially, for like the first like you know, hours, I was like, "How how are the Wakandas actually gonna <laughs> uh, beat this guy? Because he's a beast." Um, and they kept that all the way through the film, which I really mm-hmm. liked. As I say, I, what I wanted from Gore and Love and Thunder is what I got from the Moor in, in this film. Oh right, I think he was really well done. I'm glad they've not killed him as they just do with Marvel villains. Like. I well, actually they don't kill that many, but they were never going to kill him more. No. Never. He's like a, he's a, he's going to be a major player going forward. That's good. Well, he was excellent in this, so yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. What I'm what I'm intrigued and I want to hear from you guys mm-hmm. is do you think they can turn him around because he's an anti-hero in this film, but mm-hmm. he is he's the villain of the movie. Mm. 
in many, many ways. He kills Oscar nominee, perhaps soon to be Oscar winner, mm-hmm. Angela Bassett. I mean, he's maybe not direct. Well, you know, Helen can sort it out. She'll probably get him off. But <laughs> you know, is it directly kills her or indirectly kills her? You, you could you could argue that out. Uh, but he he's responsible for Angela Bassett's death. He's responsible mm-hmm. for Queen Ramonda's death. He attacks Wakanda. He's fairly unrelenting and unremitting. Mm-hmm. Can they do a one eighty on this guy? Can they do a Deckard Shaw on this guy to the point where we're going to be cheering for him? when he shows up in Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars and he will show up in those movies what I'm intrigued to see is that he's he's a he's a character who could not necessarily be sh- be fighting for the good guys in that movie they've they've done enough of a job that he could be taking Kang's side but historically in the in the comic books he does more often than not come down the side of the angels mm. even if he is a monstrous prick mm. Do you think, though, that this version of the character can do that about turn? I think mm. it's possible. They kind of did it with Loki because he, he became kind of lovable, even though he was someone who kills a lot of people. But he became such a fan favorite that I think that they could do that with him and sort of turn him around. I'd be curious to see how they do it, though, because at the moment he's still, at least in my view, a bad guy who was attacking a nation and wants to attack another nation, uh, wants to attack the the surface world. So I'm curious if they do do it, how would they do it? Mm. Your point about Loki is a very good one. And I feel like if you can do that with that character, you can probably do that with Namor, but mm. not, not fully like, I mean, you, you could say directly, indirectly, he is responsible for the death of Ramonda. He sets out to kill her. Yeah. And he, um, and he, and he follows through on yeah. that. And that. It's, I can't see me as an audience member forgiving that character for that act um, no matter what happens for the MCU down the road maybe I'll be cheering for him in certain respects but in terms of a full 180 forgiveness all the way I, I don't think mm. that's ever going to be something that it's going to happen for me. The character is really interesting, and in obviously we know that he, you know, in the comics, he uh, is uh, a friend, sometimes foe of the Fantastic Four. That he has a soft spot for Sue Storm. Does uh, he ever? Yeah, <laughs> but I'm wondering if they're setting him up to maybe align with Doom at some point mm-hmm. down the line, which could be, which could be interesting. You know, as as they as they. Because they will roll into Doom uh, mm-hmm. for the Fantastic Four movie, and as and as we've said in this podcast before, you know my big suspicion is that Doom will be the the chief villain of Secret Wars and not Kang, um, and that's going to be that's going to be interesting if that if that comes down the down the line. But yeah, <laughs> the thought of that just gets me so. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they do Doom right, oh my gosh! Like you know, they've what do you had... mean? If they do Doom right, they've done him right <laughs> oh, twice. Julia McMahon, the definitive Doom. <laughs> Toby Kebbell, the other definitive oh, Doom. God. <laughs> God. Gosh, they they are, are filming uh, Fantastic Four from uh, start of twenty twenty four. Apparently, okay. So I've read. Oh. So. <laughs> Relax, calm down. Doom is like one of the greatest villains of all time. If they do him right, then you know that's like I think he can dwarf Thanos. If they do, like he is that. I think you find Galactus oh. will dwarf Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, but oh, close. we're getting closer to Galactus. Oh, <laughs> what have you got Galactus? What about, you I'm about wearing this? two pairs of tidy whities now. Um, all right, Gabriel Pollard. Now we know Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character works for the CIA. Why did the CIA want Hawkeye dead in Black Widow slash Hawkeye? Trying to recall. What? Did they? I don't remember that bit. Mm-mm. Did they? Did they want him dead? Yeah, they sent... Um... She sends Yelena Belova after him. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, now I remember yeah. Now I remember. Uh, I don't think, first of all, that she was working for the CIA in that capacity. That was in her capacity as something else. Uh, and, you know, we may never know this, and I doubt that anyone at Marvel would admit it, but I think there's a whole lot of retconning going on with, with Fal. Uh, I certainly don't think that when she shows up in Falcon and Winter Soldier and Black Widow, that she was intended to be the director of the CIA. 
I think that is something that they've changed. She's about the CIO, about the shield. CIA. CIA. She's Ross's. She's Ross's boss and ex-wife. There's a sitcom. Yeah. This is why I need to be watched movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> There's a Black Panther in it. <laughs> There's a fishy man who flies around. Is it ringing any bells? They go to Wakanda. No, see, Forever, in fact. I should have just come to you for the rundown. Forget about, me, forget about watching the movie at all. Just talk no. to me. Um, it's the details why people listen. Although you did, you did mention one of my favorite lines that Mbaku has. Fish man! He goes to Wakanda. Where's the Duke is the best? Oh. Oh, he is. He's a charisma machine. <laughs> he is a charisma machine. Brewery underscore Chris has sent in a whole bunch of questions as well. And the problem is I can't actually access them on my computer. So I'm going to try and find them on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, while I do that, Phil Daniel, um, he says he had an issue with the lighting in this film. He thought a lot of the scenes were bordering on too dark, like the Batman. Do you think it was a stylistic choice? And if so, did it work? I can't see why they'd spend so long designing Talokan for it to be virtually invisible on film. I thought the Talakan looked, looked pretty good. Yeah, me it was, too. It seemed well lit. I think there were certain scenes when Namor was introduced uh, to uh, to Wakanda and you know when they were burning the funeral robes. That was a bit dark, but it wasn't too dark. Mm-mm. No, I, I don't. I don't agree. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, how do we? How do we feel? Because obviously, since this movie came out. Mm-hmm with its you know, underwater city and its underwater people. Uh, there's been another film that has done that as well. How do we think it stacks up against um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? How do we think it stacks up against <laughs> Avatar, The Way of Water? Look, Avatar, The Way of Water, the underwater scenes are beautiful. I really loved it. But I have to say, I really like the scenes in Wakanda Forever as well. When you learn uh, of how everything works down there, the tour that Shuri has, the uh, sort of citizens that she meets who do the Talakan symbol to her. All the, thank you very much. Um, that record of fact that Neil just did the Talakan symbol. Uh, do it again for Chris's sake because you missed it. There you go. Um. Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Is it left over right or right over left? Oh, uh, you don't know, do you? Oh, I'm sorry. Everyone knows it's right it. over left. Oh, right over left. No, that's left over right. Hang on. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, all of that stuff I really, really liked. Um, as you begin to see just how similar Talakan is as a city as a place to Wakanda. They even have their own stash of vibranium, which changes everything. I mean, Okoye says it in the opening to the 10, 15 minutes, changes everything about what she believed about Wakanda, about what made them so special, everything else. So I really love those scenes. And then the scene that takes place down there with Shuri and Namor having that conversation, I think Mm -hmm. it's one of the strongest scenes in the film, beautifully written, beautifully performed. Um, And you know, as much as the death of Amanda, I keep going, I still keep going back and forth on whether that needed to happen. I don't think but, it did. I don't think it did. Hmm. I mean, weirdly, the, I th- the reason why I'm sort of leaning into the yes, it did aspect of that is because of the story it's telling. And I just love it for the formidable nature of Namor. He repeatedly tells Ramonda and Wakanda, mm. if you do not do this, I'm going to come and mess you up. And mm. he says that two or three times throughout the movie and then he follows through. If at that point you say all that and you don't follow through to the point where... You can you, follow through without killing Ramonda, but, but... But here's the thing. Like, yeah. the, the reason why the death of Ramonda, I <laughs> like it, inverted commas, is because Sick. it has a direct impact on the characters we know. You can have him follow through and just kill off Wakandan citizens that we've never met and will sort of never meet, but yeah. it, it doesn't hit as hard. You could have killed Okoye. You really? could have killed him back. Ooh, that's interesting. You could, in fact, I thought they, they, were, they were going to. Uh, I thought mm. both those characters might have been goners at one point. Right. Um, mm. The scene on the bridge, I thought Okoye was you know, heavily Which is outmatched. a phenomenal scene. Really good scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought M'Baku actually was a goner during the attack on Wakanda when he gets punched mm-hmm. um, by Namor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he goes yeah. flying. And, mm-hmm. 
and he goes absolutely flying, mm. and he's only got like wood uh, to really protect him. I, you know, I thought you could have and maybe a six pack. <laughs> and a six pack, yeah. <laughs> and the the wood we should emphasize is the, the around his waist. Um, uh, you know, he's got he's got all that stuff going for. But I thought that you know you could have done that. But you're right. And, and Ryan Coogler actually said this really really nicely. He explained it very very well in the interview we did. By the way, if you can hear a noise in the background, the aircon is broken in this room, which means that the computer we're recording this on is overheating, and it sounds like an airplane. <laughs> ready to take off. Mm. So that <laughs> is what's happening. So sorry about that. This is beyond our control at this point in time. Mm. But Ryan Coogler explained it really, really beautifully in the interview that he did with him on, on the previous spoiler special, the main one. Yeah. So go back and have a listen to that. And that's fine. And maybe I'm just being selfish in that I want more Angela Bassett mm. because she is she is phenomenal mm -hmm. in this movie. And if she wins the Oscar, it is, in my opinion, deserved. Mm -hmm. When she leaves the movie, the movie struggles to recover. Mm. It's already, it's already struggling. It's already suffering the absence of T'Challa. That's there. There's nothing we can do about that, sadly. Mm -hmm. And then this character who is so fiery uh, and you know she's really interesting, Ramonda, in so many ways in this movie. The way that she's completely redoubtable and just you know and just you know she's not. She doesn't brook any interference, any criticism. Okoye messes up pretty badly, yes, but she strips Okoye of her rank, which is a hardcore decision. And she's, mm -hmm. she's, she's a hardcore character in this. And she, in many ways, is the compelling center. And again, this is not a diss of Letitia Wright's performance at all, but she is the compelling center of the movie for me in a way that Shuri isn't because Shuri is all over the shop in this film, at least until the end. And when she goes, there's a vacuum. And I don't think it's fridging. I think we talked about this on one of the previous spoiler specials. I don't think it's fridging. Um, I think they're clever enough to avoid that trope. This isn't Frigga dying in the dark world. Mm. Uh, there are similarities, yes. But it's not Frigga dying in the dark world. Not least because when Frigga dies in that movie, there are other characters to pick up the slack. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case here because Okoye has been sidelined. Because Shuri is a character who's harder to warm to than she was first time around. I don't know. It just feels like, you know, purely from a selfish point of view, I would have liked more Angela Bassett going forward in the MCU. And there's also, we talked about this a little bit, there's also the possibility, you know, you just want to keep some older characters around, you know, as the MCU is beginning to transition from, mm. you know, the, the original casts and they're bringing in all these younger characters. Yeah. It would be good now and again to have a bit of a, Wise head and on older shoulders, knocking mm -hmm. around still. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's just me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's just like fantastic in this film. I think losing her, yeah, it definitely changed it completely. And yeah, I kind of agree with you, Chris, that you didn't quite recover because we don't have that sparky, sort of almost in your face character of of how ballsy she was. And you know, as you say, stripping a koi of of her rank was unbelievable. But when they killed her off, I was I was really surprised. But I feel like Namor kind of had to make a point and really had to make a really strong point. Like, yeah, it could have been any other character, but I feel like because it was so personal to Shuri, it, it made sense because that sort of showed how serious mm. he was to no, her. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. those two have obviously met and semi-bonded before when, when uh, he, he took on a tour mm. of his homeland. But I, th I think that she was the right character to go. I was sad to see her go because she's fantastic in this. She's great in the first one as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's sad to see a guy, but it, yeah, I think it was I think it was the right decision. Yeah, yeah, I keep going back and forth, but like the performance, that's just from from the moment she's in that scene in the UN, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the presence that she has yeah. is just like she does not need to speak to know that this is not a woman you mess with. It's yeah. a scene um, with the, it's a scene with Okoye. It's a scene where she strips over rank. Yeah. You know, and she talks about having lost everything at that mm -hmm. point because she, as far as she's concerned, she has lost everything. She's mm -hmm. no idea that she was coming back. Mm -hmm. I think that's the moment you're going, okay, yeah. that's that's. I mean, that nominatable. Th that was, you know, the, the first. We we talk a lot about trailers on this podcast, obviously, and sometimes when trailers are not done well, they spoil too much in a very inelegant way. The first trailer for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever was number one, the best trailer of 2022 by a lot and it was art and part of the reason why 
there was such a strong reaction to that trailer is because part of the speech that Ramonda has when she strips Okoye of her rank is in that trailer. Mm-hmm. And everyone immediately recognized how powerful it was. Um, so to see that in its entirety was incredible. Mm-hmm. But honestly, that first scene when she's at the UN, she like looks left, she looks right, and she throws these people a look like, okay, let's, let's just you know talk plainly and frankly and honestly here. But even before she opens her mouth to speak, the presence that she has is like this woman. You do not mess with her at all. And Ladies I just, and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> Academy Award winner, Angela Bassett. Come on. Yeah. And I just, I, I love that. I love that. I mean, that's just one of many notable scenes. Yeah. That scene, the scene where she's talking with Shuri about, let's take a trip. Let me tell you mm-hmm. something. Let me try and help you heal. All of that stuff mm-hmm. is really heartfelt. Um, and I love that. It's, if, again, I mean, you say, if she, if she wins it in a month or so, that would be well-deserved. And yeah. she's been doing it for years. She is literally black royalty. So it's good to see her. <laughs> it's it's yeah. good to see her get her flowers. Um, it's a long time coming. Okay, so we've got about 12 minutes left okay. um, because uh, we all have hard outs. Neil has an actual day job to go to. Amon's got to interview someone cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you can hear another noise in the background. It's my fucking stomach. Uh, <laughs> so I need to grab some lunch before Sorry. we record the regular Empire podcast. <laughs> uh, so let's get some, we've got some questions from Ruby underscore Chris, uh, regular question contributor as well. Uh, did anyone feel slightly relieved to be back with an earthbound Marvel story on the big screen? I found the politics, grief, history of Talakan, Namor, or Namor, sorry. Uh, and yes, even the spy stuff with Everett Ross was rather refreshing after Thor, Love and Thunder, and Multiverse of Madness. It may well be the rest we need before Quantumania. Yeah, I was just happy to return to Wakanda properly and having been somebody who did not enjoy Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor, Love and Thunder as much as I wanted to and anticipated I was going to, um, that was more the uh, excitement for me uh, getting back to a film like this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think we've seen even more of Wakanda as well and we mm. saw, I think after they were trying to recover and uh, rebuild after the attack, we saw like you know, the people out in the street sort of fixing things, putting things out. Mm. There was some food cooking it made me very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken yeah. looked amazing. Yeah, it did. I want to go there. I want to eat their food. I want to go to there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's one more question from Brewie underscore Chris uh, a couple of we've, we've answered already but uh, has Wakanda Forever made you more confident in what the MCU can produce with their cinematic outings TV aside after what some would say was a lacklustre phase 4 it's the last film of phase 4 uh, or was the Fowl and Riri Williams Ironheart setting up etc too much of a disservice to the film and maybe let's leave that set, the section of the question aside where do you think we've talked about this a little bit some people you know, the, I think there is a consensus out there that Phase Four. I think it's it's correct, uh, but that's that's taking into account that Phase Three contained for me <laughs> some of the greatest blockbusters, mm-hmm. I, I would say, movies uh, ever made uh, in there. Phase Four always felt a little bit to me like it could had the it had the potential to be a slight backslide, mm-hmm. and I think that it's hit incredible heights. You know talked about this in the podcast before but No Way Home mm-hmm. possibly the greatest cinematic experience that I've ever had <laughs> uh, it has had unexpected lows mm-hmm. you know I, I, I'm you know I, I think Multiverse of Madness has has issues uh, but I love Love and Thunder yeah but overall I think there is a consensus that this is a bit of a downswing the question is downswing by general nature results in an upswing do you think that's going to happen with Phase 5? I do think it's going to happen with Phase 5. I do think Phase 4, the, the word which I've been using to describe Phase 4 is middling. Um, so, so yeah, I, I agree with Placeholder. That. Yes. In, in yeah. the sa- maybe in the same way that Phase 1 is, you know, it yeah. is, is filled with placeholder movies that set the stage mm-hmm. for the Avengers. The thing about Phase 1 is that it's six films, including the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Think about Phase Four. Is that it's eight hundred and twenty-seven films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the thing for me when I look back on the comparisons between Phase Three and Phase Four, and just Marvel as a whole, part of the reason we go to these movies is for the moments, and Phase Three delivered those moments 
in a big way, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Phase four, Spider-Man No Way Home had a few moments that you're like, you needed to be in the cinema day one to see and experience that. Phase four has a lot less moments compared to other stuff that we've seen in the MCU as a whole. And I feel like that is one of the reasons for me why it's been a bit middling because I just but haven't haven't you, gotten that and, and I get there's a placeholder I get that I get all of that but that's just that's my that's one of my takeaways from this do you not think that the screaming goats were a moment <laughs> 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 I like the screaming goats not I, as much okay. as Chris and Ben like the screaming oh, goats oh I love the screaming goats <laughs> I love the screaming goats um, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you to an extent on that okay I'm with you to an extent on that I don't no, I it's n- I don't just love the Marvel movies for the moments. I love the Marvel mm. movies for the characters. Yeah, me too. And I think that Phase Four has done a really interesting job of actually introducing some really, really promising characters. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Shang Chi, whether it's Yelena Belov- Belova, you know, whether it's um, Moon Knight. Moon Knight, you know. But let's take the TV shows aside for the yeah. for the time being. And I think actually, in I think there's been a bit of a race of late recently to diss the MCU into, you know, I I, I I see a kind of tired, you know, when I'm on Twitter every day, I'm, I'm going to see at least one anti-Marvel tweet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it just seems like it's now become the pinata uh, that they couldn't go near it when the quality was absolutely almost incontrovertibly high. Yeah. And they couldn't, they couldn't get at it. And now they can get at it because there's been a bit of a stumble. Yeah. But that said... You know, I still think it's introducing really compelling characters, and the, and in the race to this phase four, you're overlooking the fact that Shang Chi was really, really good, yeah. mm-hmm. and that the director of that did such a good job that he's bagged himself an Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, you know, I, I think the Black Widow is a fine movie, but it has some really, really great stuff in it, mm-hmm. and I think some of the character work that has been on display in these movies Eternals is an entirely character based movie mm-hmm. for me that that really 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 worked Thor Love and Thunder I know we differ <laughs> on this but it's a movie that only works because you're invested in the characters yeah at the end you know I know that turn that you don't think entirely works 100% but the, the end with Jane Foster yeah. that works for me because of the investment we've done in those characters previously and there are moments in that movie that, that do pass the Steve Wielding me on their test. Nothing as <laughs> nothing as great as that, I obviously. Mean, but I mean, you're forgetting the greatest scene in the MCU. That's I'm fun. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what, what is? Oh, that? Neil, you've fallen <laughs> into this trap. Oh no! That's oh, no. excellent question, Neil. Oh no! That's excellent question. Is there a moment that's better than Steve Wielding me on near or portals <laughs> in the MCU? Is there better? Yes. Okay, go on. Allow me to regale you of oh, a tale Jesus. that happens. Come on, you're going to be late for your own interview. Who'll <laughs> <laughs> understand? Um, Avengers Infinity War you may remember 2018 independent movie by that name yeah directors Jones and Andy Russo <laughs> there's a moment in which Thor son of Odin oh god arrives in Wakanda oh god and single handedly turns the tide of the battle with pure awesomeness oh, and god an axe made by Eitri played by Peter Dinklage Brilliantly. Brilliantly. Uh, you, um, he's taking too long. It's a moment in Infinity War when Thor shows up on Wakanda. Yeah. It's a great moment, but no. We don't have time. We don't have time. A couple of last questions, real quick. Um, Daniel Clear says, did Namor know, and we didn't talk about that, we haven't talked about the thing that we talked about last time, which is the deliberate mispronunciation of Namor's name by the Wakandans which I thought was a very deliberate thing but they don't explain it in the movie and you saw a QA and a with Ryan Coogler where he confirmed that that was a deliberate thing but I just think it needed to be established in the film I I did wonder that because he introduces as a Namor and everyone says Namor (laughs) yeah I do find it funny that um, uh, (laughs) he says like his name is Kuku Khan but my enemies call me Namor and the Wakanda's immediately gone. Namor. All the way through the film. Yeah. All the way through the film. At no point does he go, oi, come on, guys. Come on. That's come Kukul on. Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, more clarity there would have not gone unappreciated. Maybe yeah. Another deleted scene there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, anyway, question. Daniel Clear. Did um, Namor, because Namor is traditionally how he's 
refer to, but you know, mm-hmm. I actually do prefer Namor. Did Namor know that Shuri could use the fibres of the bracelet he gave her to finish recreating a heart-shaped herb? My wife's convinced he knew as he showed he had no problem sneaking into and spying on Wakandans. I think he couldn't have known, but maybe he had a feeling it would come in handy for her to have it. What are your thoughts? Real quick, speed round, speed round, um, speed round. I don't think he knew. No. I think he just gave it to her as a token of sort of like, welcome to Talakan. Um, And I love that it was the key to the solution of the synthetic heart-shaped herb because it was a mix of the spiritual, which, which Namor very much is, yeah. and the scientific, which Shuri very much is. So that was cool. I saw it as like a gift between nations as they do yeah. you know, when like one nation goes to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, reap what you sow, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> John Worrell the Talakans are blue in the air and they're not blue when underwater. <laughs> they, they, they blew themselves. Uh, so when they're emerging from the water, is all the parts of their body underwater not blue? <laughs> or do they turn blue all over as soon as they're in the air? <laughs> is it air that makes them blue or the lack of water? Uh, if the latter, do they go all streaky in the shower? <laughs> or when they, <laughs> or wow. when they pass, This might be the last question <laughs> ever on the podcast. When they pass a sprinkler or in the rain. <laughs> Wow, that is some serious thought has gone into that, and I appreciate it. That's too much thought, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, this is the, the, the this is the podcast for overthinkers, <laughs> and that's that's too much overthinking. I like it. I love a bit of overthinking. Mm, yeah, I have no idea. Anyone else? No. Sorry, I got nothing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, John Crawford says, would Shiri not have spent the week after Namor's attack on the capital city, converting the evacuated city into one massive death trap for the second attack, instead of sailing a boat with a small amount of forces to the middle of the ocean? Now I think we found Helen's burner account, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where they would have had a much lower chance of success. Let's yeah. take this fight to them where they feel most comfortable. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I mean the. The best thing I can say in defense of Shuri's decision here is that she has a lot of confidence in her tech. She thinks that she's figured it out with the uh, sonics that she's uh, pulsing into uh, the sea. And Wakandans trust Shuri as they have done sort of ever since that she has ascended to sort of genius, smartest person in the MCU level. Mm. So why wouldn't they trust her? with the plan that she has in place. Obviously, I'm not saying that it's the best of plans, but... <laughs> um, it's not great. It's yeah. not great. But she's, she's blinded by grief. That's the, there's also that too. There's also that. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Last question from St. Wright on Twitter. In fact, someone else asked something relatively similar to this. Could the Thunderbolts movie be Thunderbolts versus Wakanda since the US wants to attack the country? That would be very smart. Yeah, yeah, that is a real potential. I am suddenly interested in the Thunderbolts movie. (laughs) If that is, you know, I'm interested in everything. But Mm -hmm. if they were to go down that road, it might explain Fowl's presence, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I would Mm. like that, but at the same time, Mm-hmm. If Bucky is on that team, yeah. then but ooh, that's as, a as, as, as a Wakandan. That's a Amon, <laughs> we talked about this. You're from Watford. <laughs> very, very far north of Wakanda. Watford forever doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. You were you were past the Wakanda gap, my friend. Um, but that's a wrinkle, isn't it? That's yeah. a wrinkle. If Bucky, who was rehabilitated by the Wakandans, who has got a history with the Wakandans. Mm. Is maybe turned into a weapon and forced mm. to force because I'm guessing the Thunderbolts, you know, mm. pointed mm. in the direction of Wakanda. Then again, the Thunderbolts is not exactly a formidable team. <laughs> it's, it's really <laughs> they've got a bunch of people who can shoot. Uh, Ghost only only what two of them have powers. Yeah, yeah. Sure, he's going to shut that shit down immediately. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We Wakandas already have beef <laughs> with, with, with Bucky okay. because he freed Zemo to Chaka's killer. So I'm just saying, the guy better watch out. I'm going to tell Shuri on him. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, any shocking or fantastical connections to fictional countries that you wish to claim right now? Uh, no, no. I, I wish I was a Wakandan. Like, like come on. But, uh, they yeah. have a, they have a Starbucks now. So. Oh, good, oh, good. And an Olympics. And an, oh. and an Olympics. How does that work? You mean a stadium? That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on that note. On that confused note, that's, <laughs> that is it for our Black Panther Wakanda 
forever spoiler special listener question spoiler special I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed it uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed melting whilst making it <laughs> uh, as ever thank you for subscribing and keeping peel for more spoiler specials coming your way uh, we're getting into quantum mania soon very very soon as well so we might be doing a, the conqueror our reaction yeah. to that Kang is coming Lang is running. This could be <laughs> Kang the Conqueror versus Kang the Conquerable. So this could be this could be very very interesting indeed. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other stuff as well. But in the meantime, all that remains for me is to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, Neil Bat. Goodbye. Goodbye, Neil. It's goodbye from Wakanda's finest, <laughs> the bald-headed demon. <laughs> That is, and that's as far as I'm going with that. Otherwise, I will be cancelled. It is. <laughs> I'm on Mormon. Peace. See, you could do the voice. Do the voice. Do the voice. <laughs> what voice? Bald-headed demon. You could do Mbaku. <clears throat> Here he goes. Bald-headed demon. No, do the voice, the Mbaku voice. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, that was it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I just got burned. Yeah. I have watched and listened from the mountains to this podcast <laughs> I have found it wanting Actually, I have no. watched in disgust as Chris has made ridiculous comments about my you're boys losing it, you're losing it you're losing them on but I have to say I think we all know what Mbaku would say after listening to the Empire Podcast Black Panther Wakanda Forever go. listener questions spoiler <laughs> special he would go no I'm on he would go he would go that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Oh, I'm not going to let that down, am I? No. <laughs> <laughs>